Good evening and welcome. It's Monday night. It's uh, I feel like there's a rebirth happening here as I get back into the studio for the first time in over a week. Wow. What? <laughs> Don't make me laugh because I still have a nasty cough. Um, and doing that is going to make so me the image, spew phlegm the image everywhere. The went through, went through my head was uh, <laughs> uh, Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura, when he was coming out of the rhino's butt. Uh, the decoy and and the family was watching and that's that's what flashed when you said the rebirth of of you coming back. Well, why your um, mind goes yeah. there? It doesn't surprise me, but but I don't know. Did anybody else go to that? I mean, this is a rebirth. Uh, as I already lose my voice here in the first five minutes of the show, Vince, I saw you chuckling. I want to know what the problem is with uh, with our new um, our new look here. Other than the fact <laughs> that Brett looks like my pudgy Italian uncle <laughs> in this thing, yeah. <laughs> he looks like <laughs> yeah. I I I, I was gonna yeah. ask WTF. Why why is my head so much bigger than your head? Because we both know we both have big heads. It's like you paid the artist to make your head normal it's on your great. body and you said, Oh, make Brit look like a Pez dispenser. <laughs> I didn't say any of those things. This is what the artist came back with. We've got several versions of this, by that. the way. We've got this. It's kind of <laughs> Oh wow. That's quite a nose he gave you there too, Brit. Sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, why? Why is your tie so short? You look like you're That's wearing an ascot. Right? You're like wearing an ascot. It's a 1970s photo. It's it is a 1970s photo. And that's somewhat it intentionally. Um, but, you know, we got a few different angles here. And everyone, Britt looks like my pudgy Italian uncle. <laughs> Which... <laughs> Oh, oh, God. I, I, de I demand my union rep. I want to file a grievance. This was just the artist's no interpretation. I sent actually original photos. I sent, you know, the mock-up thing that we've done, which, uh, you know, we, we clipped the heads out and put them on the bodies. And I sent that. I said, I want it to be, but I want it to be animated. And I sent original photos of us. And that's what he came up with. Hey, you get great work on Fiverr. I have to tell you, it's cheap too. Nice. Anyway, welcome well, to the show. Yeah, obviously it's cheap. Look at the size of my head. <laughs> You're lucky they didn't charge you by the ink. <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, the old joke. Fine. How much? How much? How much did you pay the guy? The answer is too much. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. I'm still, I'm still, I'm wow. still kind of pleased with it. I think, I think we can get some mileage out of this. <laughs> But I think yeah, uh, Fiverr would explain why uh, why Brits wearing the Turkish flag as as a tie. That makes sense now. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what that is, right? Is that what it is? <laughs> it probably I is. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> oh, what a way to start! What a way to start the program. Hey, everybody, JV here. Please take a minute and consider supporting the program. Our expenses are going up just like everyone else's. And it takes a lot to bring the show to you five nights a week. So we'd appreciate you going to the website, independencegang.com. Click on the Donate tab, or you can just type in independencegang.com slash donate. And spend a minute considering giving us a gift to help us fund our operations here. The Independence Gang is a labor of love, but there are expenses associated with it, and we appreciate your help.
Oh, welcome, JR. Welcome, Vince. Good to see you both. Brick, good to see you. I haven't seen Thanks. you either in over a week, and uh, you've been manning the fort here, keeping things rolling and running and all sorts of chaos ensuing, but uh, you've gotten the, gotten, the, gotten the job done for sure. Have fun at all or what? Well, the wheels are still on, so, I mean, there's that. Um. It was, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I, obviously, when I run the show, it's a little different than when you run the show. So um, we're just glad we got a show out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's and, uh, comforting. And thanks, JR, for being there so much. And Trish, if she's watching, for, you know, doing the, the week with us. Because uh, I didn't have a lot of time to curate uh, uh, people to come on the show. And it was just like the first person that put their hands up, I grabbed because I had other things to worry about. Yeah. Uh, I do want to uh, address uh, at least one thing. Um, I want to actually go back in time a little bit here. Sadly, I don't know what month this was, but I'm sure, Vince, you're going to remember this fondly. Okay. Oh, my God. And the rule follower isn't here tonight, so while the cat's away, the mice are going to play. You remember this, right? <laughs> right? And the rule follower isn't here tonight, so while the cat's away, the mice are going to play. So while the cat's yeah. away, yep. the yeah. mice are so, going to play. Yeah. The mice so, are Vince, you were, you were heavily involved in this. Yeah, Juliet, Juliet was too. Vince, you know, you've already taken your lumps yeah. for that. So I did. You I did, did. You did. So did Juliet, which which is what brings me to this. Because something that uh, actually that little clip that you that you just saw, that was pre-show. Brick stirring up the all the shit. He was stirring it all up before the show, getting people to, you know, all riled up. So when they came on, they'd do things that would make me uncomfortable or whatever. Well, this time he didn't even use a pretense to wait and to do it before the show. He did it right in the show. It's not even a millisecond into this and it's already a train wreck. But that's okay because the cat is away and the mice are going to play. <laughs> Because that's what happened last time. <laughs> and it was a hell of a show. So we're going to have some fun. And we're going to do something a little bit before I introduce you guys. We're going to okay. play a video. So right I'm going to play this again. Bat. And I want you to watch Juliet because she knows if she laughs at this, if she smiles at this, <laughs> if she does anything to acknowledge Brit's little re rebellious streak there, she's going to get in trouble. So she just, just kind of oh, backs wreck. off. Watch. But that's okay because the cat is away and the mice are going to play. Because that's what happened last time. And it was a hell of a show. Say she's so we're gonna have some fun. And we're gonna do something a little bit Then she pretends she's just adjusting her camera. Right off the bat. Yeah. So so Brit It was a very uncomfortable smile. <laughs> she knew. She knew if she played along with you, there was yeah. gonna be a problem. Um however, it didn't end there, Britt. You your instigation and your uh your effort to get people in trouble did not stop there. because uh, here's another cut from later in that show. No, I have no idea. No idea. You have no idea? What I was okay, going to say is this? wildly inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> you're on the right show then. Because the cat, that's what the we're cat is for. away, so we can play. See, so <laughs> Drew's trying to behave, Britt, and you're still encouraging him to step out across the line. Have you never watched cat videos, <laughs> cat reels on Instagram? There's you. I watch them all night long when I'm trying to go to sleep, and there's always the one cat that's instigating, knocking stuff off the shelf, walking up and just beating the shit out of the dog out of the blue, and then strutting off like nothing happened. Yeah, the cat was away, so the mice were gonna play. 
Well, if you have, if we have to find the low point of the show, I think this may have been it. If you took a bath immediately afterwards, no, it should be all right. No, really? All right. Listen, have you not watched the porn that's out there lately? I mean, they're doing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying. I'm they just also saying. Know <laughs> yeah, your girlfriend's got a YouTube. <laughs> no, <guy>. whatever. <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Wait, 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 wait. You, you, ble you bleeped it. What? You bleeped out shit that it was normal saying, and then you left the fuck. You left the fuck word. <laughs> you know, the way, so what I bleeped out was, was not normal saying. What I bleeped out was that not was a, normal. That was an inconvenient bleep. It was not normal at all. <laughs> that but was listen, a very But Juliet once again knows what the deal is here. <laughs> JV is having a stroke right now. See, she knew. <laughs> she knew. Thank you, Juliet, for 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 acknowledging the fact that that may have I may have uncomfortable. Do you remember what you said and what was under that beep? And I don't want you to say it again, please. Not for my virgin ears. But do you remember? Just out of curiosity. Um, I I I. <laughs> Uh, I would I would say that I said that those who watch porn should go to church oh, and confess. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's and you bleep that out. <laughs> that's exactly all right. We'll we'll go with that, Brett. We'll go with that. Anyway, thanks for uh, holding no, down. No, honestly, the I have no idea. I don't remember what I said. Uh, do you Do you remember what I said? Oh, I know exactly what you said. Oh, was it about the glory hole? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't. It was, it was about holes. Yes, uh, but we'll leave it there. Um, <laughs> anyway, all right, let's talk, let's talk about uh, the news because there's a lot going on, uh, that we need to catch up with. This weekend was, was quite an ordeal. And I want to start with this. Uh, Biden is, uh, is now saying as of today that he's not walking anything back on whether Putin should be in power. Now, if, if we're unsure about what this is about, this is a, uh, a statement from Biden. I just took the very end of this clip where he gave a speech in Poland, kind of wrapping up his visit to Poland. Uh, when was it, Vince? Do you remember was it Friday? When did he give this wrap-up speech in Poland? Uh, I believe that's right. I believe it was on, on Friday. Okay, it was on Friday. And this is what he said at the very right. end. It was not part of the speech. He just added it. Of decency and right. dignity, of freedom and possibilities. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. Okay, so Biden says there, for God's sakes, this man cannot remain in power. He's talking about Vladimir Putin. Uh during the course of the weekend, you had uh, Secretary of State Antony Blinken saying, quote, I think the president, the White House, made the point last night, quite simply, President Putin cannot be empowered to wage war or engage in aggression against Ukraine or anyone else. There is no policy of regime change. Um, and other surrogates went around on the cable news programs during the course of the weekend, Jr trying to clean up this mess, saying it is not the policy of the United States, despite the fact that our chief diplomat, the president of the United States, said this. It is, in fact, not the policy of the United States for regi regime change in Russia. So that was the, Jr. the weekend cleanup. Well, well that was strike one. He, ha he, had, he had a few uh, good ones over the weekend, and uh, yeah, they can try to clean it up uh, best they can, but there's no question what he said. Uh, the policy of the United States may have been part of the cleanup, but again, you know, this isn't dress rehearsal is, is my thought on this. I mean, when he goes out there, he's got to be on his game and he's got to say what he means as the leader of the free world. And he is not. What he does is create more confusion. And, and this is on the heels, of course, the confusion and, and embarrassment that the vice president was just a, a few weeks before. So 
the leadership of the United States continues to make uh, a fool of themselves, to be quite frank, um, at a time that is as important as we've needed true leadership in uh, in, in a couple of generations. So um, that was strike one. I'm sure you're going to have more. Yeah, we've got others here. So he continues this effort to clean things up. Another article, article here, Biden says, I'm not calling for regime change, but expressing moral outrage. So let's listen to what Biden said. I believe it was today about this. Do you believe what you said, that Putin can't remain in power? Or do you now regret saying that because your government has been trying to walk that back? Number one, I'm not walking anything back. The fact of the matter is I was expressing the more outrage I felt toward the way Putin is dealing and the actions of this man, just, just brutality of half the children in Ukraine. I just come from being with those families. And, uh, and so, uh, but I want to make it clear, I wasn't then, nor am I now, articulating a policy change. I was expressing the moral outrage that I feel, and I make no apologies for it. Uh, Vince, is there a distinction between the president's moral outrage and a uh, policy statement? Can that distinction be made legitimately? No. No, not at all. I can't. Um, you know, and people try to walk that line, uh, politicians, candidates for office, they try to walk that line off often. But at the end of the day, the decisions you make should be based on some sort of moral concept that you actually believe in, right? Yeah, sure. There's times you're going to make a decision that might be based on, you know, the information you have and you have to make a black and white type decision, but there, there's no way. And, and the key thing is for, for you to have, and not just staffers, but, but high level people spending the entire weekend walking back a statement that you made in, in a foreign policy speech on foreign soil, you know, so, so the purpose that they, you know, that they sent him out of the country was to make that statement outside the country, right? Which, which strengthens the statement as far as I'm concerned, right? And then, and then after they spend all the time trying to walk it back, he basically doubles down on it. So I find it, I mean, sure. Is there a strategy where, you know, the staff, you've got staffers saying one thing and, you know, the, the president saying something else. Sure. You could, you could use that, but usually when it comes to foreign policy, it's lockstep. Everybody's in line. I mean, you think back to some of the other times where there have been some people who've been a little, you know, they haven't been totally in on the foreign policy uh, in agreement with the foreign policy plan. They're, they're not out there. At least they're not working for the white house any longer. If they're out there and they're, they appear to be rogue. The problem here is the, the rogue individual seems to be the president himself. Yeah, and you got to add a multiplier there for that lockstep necessity when you're talking about times as dangerous as the one we're facing right now. It's one thing to be out of lockstep right. when you're in you know times of peace and bliss, but when you've got Russian tanks rolling through a country and a uh, Russian dictator with his finger on the nuclear button threatening to use it, that that uh, importance for lockstep becomes even more urgent. All right, Britt, uh, here's another a clip from that same speech. Thank you. When you say that you're not walking anything back, you do feel that Vladimir Putin should be remained from removed from power. Is that what you're saying? And no, what I was I was expressing just what I said. I was expressing the moral outrage I felt towards this man. I wasn't articulating a policy change. Are you concerned this remark might escalate the conflict? No, I'm not. I'm not at all. Look, and, and you know, look. The, the other thing is that. Uh, a couple of people have asked me as well, might well speak to it unless you want to ask the question, but, uh, you know, uh, that other governments have suggested that this is a problem, I'm escalating things. 
Uh, no. And has it weakened NATO? No, it hadn't. NATO has never, ever, 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 ever been as strong as it is today. Never. All right, so that's one talking point he remembered. Thanks to Trump. Yeah, one, that's one talking point he remembered, Britt. And I'll tell you this. NATO will never be as strong as it will be when Russian tanks are rolling. Then suddenly, NATO comes together. They're not going to argue. They're not going to fight like they might in times of peace. So that's not a win yeah. for Biden. That's a natural reaction by a defensive uh, uh, treaty organization. But anyway, that answer to that reporter, basically the same question as the previous reporter, uh, he stumbles through it. He's trying to find a way to talk about NATO. He he has no real answer. And in fact, he doesn't really seem to have a grasp on it. And to make that statement the other day in Poland is one thing. To to fumble around with an answer to try to clarify it just adds fuel to that fire, Brett. Right. Well, because he's not good at it. Um, but here's so I watched that whole speech, and the speech was rolling along as a Biden speech does, and then he threw that in at the very end. It was like one of the last things he said. It was like left field, Albuquerque, here comes Bugs Bunny and the and the pearl, you know, make that left turn. Or what the hell's going on? It was like, you know. Do you remember when Reagan's speech in Berlin, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall, this wall, and that he was in the speech and then the State Department took it out and he said, no, put it back in. And the State Department took it out and he said, no, 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 I'm saying this, put it back in. And the State Department said, oh, no, you can't say that and took it out. And the speech was taken out. That that line was not in the speech in the teleprompter. The Reagan, who at the time was starting to suffer from Alzheimer's, was smart enough to know how to weave that he wanted to say it. He knew he needed to say it, and he weaved it into a speech so it was seamless. I think what happened here is that Biden wanted his Reagan tear down this wall moment. And that was on his mind from the beginning. I need my Reagan tear down this wall moment. And he, he But he's not savvy enough because he doesn't understand the speech that, like you said, he's just reading the words on the teleprompter. He doesn't understand the flow. It's not like he's reading and studying and understanding like Reagan would do because he was an actor. He probably memorized the speech. Didn't even need the teleprompter because he was a trained actor. Um, but Biden didn't have that. So he got all the way through and he realized, oh shit, into the speech. And that man cannot stay in power. So he threw it in there trying to get his Reagan moment. He tried to force it and it came off really goofy and really forced and ill-advised. And if he thinks that if he thinks that that statement doesn't fortify or bolster Putin's grip or, um, uh, help me, Vince, what, credibility within Russia. The people hear that and they go, oh, we're going to rally around the flag. We're rallying around our leader. Oh, oh, the United States wants to take out our leader. Oh, fuck you. Let's dig in, guys. Russian people do not think like us. They are not westernized. They are communist, dictator, Marxist-type people. It's what they all they And really very nationalistic. Know. And they very nationalistic. Very, yeah. Which is bred into them from the Marxist side of things. You do what your leaders say. Your government is all powerful. We provide everything for you. They do not think like us. They don't understand freedom. They don't understand challenging their government. All of a sudden, what they've been bred or what they've had raised into them from knee high to a grasshopper is to praise and love their government and their people and their people running the government. And here comes big bad America threatening it. Oh, no. Whatever Biden touches... And the decision he makes is 100% of the time wrong. This man cannot make a correct decision if his effing life depended on it. Well, it's interesting that you talk about the Russian people because he goes there next. 
It means that I would hope he, I just it was expressing my outrage. He shouldn't remain in power. What made you add that? Because that wasn't in your prepared remarks, we were told. So what made you add that at the end, Mr. President? Because I was talking about, I was talking to the, to the Russian people. So as Britt pointed out, Jr., he was talking to the Russian people. But in effect, he may have had the opposite impact on the Russian people because it, gave, it gives Putin a reason, as Britt pointed out, to rally his people to the Russian flag, to the Russian cause, to the Russian leader. Yeah, it's it's uh, the Russian people are f- far from a consensus uh, in, in what the uh, Putin has done here. Um, you know, you you get uh, you get arrested in Russia for being a dissenter. Uh, you don't get a slap on the wrist. Uh, you you might not be seen for fifteen years. So for people to be resisting as they have been in mass. Um, is significant uh, in, in in Russia, but when you go after their leader, as as Brit said, you know these people are are different mindset, and and that certainly has the ability to uh, change their resolve against the war to uh, rallying around the, the flag in the country. So uh, again, this is the leader of the free world. I'm sure somebody even said these words: "You need a Reagan moment," and. I, I, I don't think that was completely off the cuff. Uh, he makes it sound like it was. It was the wrong thing to say. But I think I think he wanted to say something that would come across as being uh, Reagan-esque because uh, last I checked, you know, presidents with uh, 25, 30% approval ratings uh, do not last long. And uh, last I checked, it's a, an election year as well. And th- he, he needs something positive to rally around and uh he uh by trying to do so he did just the opposite all right so i want to go to peter Ducey's question all of these comments and these questions that i'm playing right now by the way followed a, a set of remarks that biden gave about his new budget proposal he came out spoke about his budget and all of the questions with the exception of one which was about the supreme court all of the questions were, and justifiably, about Ukraine and this statement. So this is Peter Ducey's exchange. It's a little bit long, but I left the whole exchange here because I think it's important. Thank you very much. I know you're going to ask a really nice question. Well, it's it's an important question, no, I think. Are you worried that other leaders in the world are going to start to doubt that America is back if some of these big things that you say on the world stage keep getting walked back? What's getting walked back? It made it sound like, just in the last couple days, uh, it sounded like you told U.S. troops they were going to Ukraine. It sounded like you said it was possible the U.S. would use a chemical weapon, and it sounded like you were calling for regime change in Russia, and we know... None of the three occurred. None of the three occurred? None of the three. Mr. President? You, you, You interpret the language that way. I was talking to the troops. We were talking about helping train the troops in that are the, the Ukrainian troops that are in Poland. That's what the context. I sat there with those guys for a couple hours. That's what we talked about. So when you said you're going to see when you're there, you were not intending to I was see referring to with meeting with and talking with the uh, Ukrainian troops that were in Poland. And when you said a chemical weapon use by Russia would trigger a response in kind. It will trigger a significant response. What does that mean? I'm not gonna tell you. Why would I tell you? You gotta be silly. <laughs> the world wants to know. 
Well, wants to know a lot of things. I'm not telling them what the response would be. Then, then Russia knows the response. So, Vince, there's a lot there. Um, Biden basically says none of those three things occurred. If anybody has been paying attention, we know that all three of those things occurred. He said all of those things. He was talking to uh, U.S. troops, the 82nd Airborne, and he said, you're going to see when you're there how strong the civilians are, how hard the so- Ukrainian soldiers fight. When you're there, you're going to see this stuff. He wasn't talking about when you're with training with Polish soldiers, whatever. He did say, if uh, if Russia uses a chemical weapon, we will respond in kind. That has a very definitive uh, meaning. And may, he may not have meant to say it, but he said it. And then, of course, the, the thing we're talking about today with the regime change. He said all those things. He did. And I think, uh, I think Joe Biden is learning the important lesson that everyone should have learned at a very young age that words actually matter. And, you know, he he's and, and and, you know, it's it's interesting how we we've talked about we've you know, we talked about him wanting that Reagan moment, which I think is, is true. He wants the Reagan moment. But but Reagan didn't create a Reagan moment. Reagan did what he did because it was natural for him. And and it was probably to some extent things were well planned and discussed. And, hey, should we say this? Should we say that? How do we do this? How do we roll this out? And that's what created the Reagan moment. It, it isn't just poof, I'm going to say something off the cuff, that off the cuff, right? And and, and that's part of the problem with Joe Biden. And and listen, we, we can sit here all day. I mean, that, that, that statement could take us the rest of the show to unpack completely. I mean, this has been an ongoing circus from, from day one where he says something, we're going to walk it back. Now he's doubled down on it. Now, now we're, we're in a situation where he's saying he didn't say the things. He's, he told the 82nd Airborne, if you look at the words he used, he told the 82nd, you're going into Ukraine. That's what he told them, right? He said, we're going to match. If if you match an attack with a, with, with, I forgot the, the exact words he used, uh, with, a, with a like response or something to that effect. In kind, yeah. That means you're in kind, right. It, it, that means, right. What what does that mean then? And and by the way, that's a fair answer or a fair uh, a fair question to have to answer. You don't have to tell about an exact attack of how you're going to do it, but when you say in kind, you mean exact. So if they so so what you're saying is if Russia uses a nuclear weapon, we will respond with a nuclear weapon. Is that what you're saying? I mean, those are important things that people should know. And 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 America is is we should demand to know those types of types of things. And I'm not saying that we need to know strategy. We don't need to know specifics about what we're going to do and what the military is going, you know, we wouldn't want to put the military in arms way by having that information out there. But there are certain things we need to know. And the one thing we knew before any of us went to the polls to vote is that Joe Biden couldn't handle a foreign policy situation, but nobody gave two shits about foreign policy back in uh, back in 2020, did they? And now here's we are. And by the way, one last thing, the irony is not lost on me that now you have Joe Biden actually talking about American involvement in a Russian election. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I'll point out (laughs) with what you're saying, Vince, is that Joe Biden all along, the Biden administration all along has been telling us what they won't do. You know, as far as sanctions, right. as far as military, we will, you know, they've been saying, they've been listing things they will right. and will not do all along. So it's awfully disingenuous for him to say right now that, oh, I'm not going to tell you what we're going to do because as you alluded to, they can, they can make, um, uh, 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 references to things that are on the table or not on the table, whatever. Uh, so that's just garbage. Uh, Britt, I had another point that I wanted to make before I went into this clip for you, but I don't remember what it was, so here. I still want to get back to your original words that he cannot remain in power. Can you help us understand you have more foreign policy experience than any president who has ever held this office? Whether those are your personal feelings or your feelings as president, do you understand why people would believe you as someone commanding one of the largest nuclear arsenals in the 
I have to stop this right here. Doesn't it sound like this is somebody talk in their nursing home talking to their grandpappy, you know, trying to explain to them why it's important that he puts his pants on today? <laughs> it Isn't it kind of like, <laughs> didn't you get that impression? Yeah. The world saying someone cannot remain in power is a statement of U.S. policy. And also, are you concerned about propaganda use of those remarks by the Russians? No and no. Tell me why. You have so much experience. You are the leader of this country. Because it's ridiculous. Nobody believes we're going to take down. I was going to. I was talking about taking down Putin. Nobody we believes do. that. That is well, exactly the problem. I don't he would do it. That is exactly the problem, Joe Biden. Is everybody yeah. thinks that's that's what that statement meant? And whether we think that here in the United States is almost irrelevant. It's what does the rest of the world think? What does Putin think? What what happens with an unstable dictator with a finger on a nuclear weapon? Here's a president say to the 82nd Airborne, our frontline soldiers, that when you get in your Ukraine, you're going to see this. That is an indication to that leader that he thinks those troops are going to move on his troops. Why wouldn't Putin make a preemptive strike to, and start that damn war? Right. That's how important those words are. And going back to this reporter, she couldn't have been more uh, complimentary to Joe Biden, how wonderful he is and how great his experience is. Yet she's still, you can see this press core is getting frustrated with this man. Right. Uh, so a couple of things. Number one, the 82nd Airborne is not our frontline soldiers. They are our behind the frontline soldiers. They get flown in on the other side and then they attack from the rear. That's why they're so effing dangerous and they're good at it. Um, their job is to be surrounded and on the wrong side of the lines. That's normal for them. So they're, they're a battle-hardened uh, unit and uh, they should be feared at all levels. Um, this reporter, I think this reporter was totally setting them up you know this stuff. You're the best. You're the... Da, da, da. But why did you do it, Joe? Why did you say that? Not expect... Um, I really believe that because of Joe's mental state, he gets stuff stuck in his head, but he's forgotten so much other stuff. Actually, hold on. Time out. Let's think back over Joe's career. He's never really been that good of a politician. He's been a good hack. He's been a good grifter. But he's never been a good, solid-thinking politician. I mean, if you look, he didn't want to go in and kill bin Laden. He didn't want to. I mean, he has been on the wrong side of most, or most decisions in general, I would think. I can't even. I mean, he's the one that wants to lock up all the black people with the crime bill. I mean, he was the one that pushed that. He's, he's the one that was a racist and, and totally uh, eulogized uh, Robert Byrd, the Grand Ku Klux wizard of the whatever, whatever clan. Um, he's the one that, uh, you know, fondly talks about Strom Thurmond. I mean, he's, this man has not been a good human ever, ever. So I don't, I don't, um, I don't know why we're not, I mean, I'm not surprised he's an idiot, but he's going to, he's going to gaff us right into world war three. He is going to screw this up. We're going to roll right into world war three. We are going to war, get ready for it. Uh, our kids, our working class kids are going to get drafted by six pack Joe uh, or lunch bag Joe, whatever the hell they call him, the Scranton kid. He's going to get Joe. our kids six pack Joe, whatever. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he might as well be drunk. He might make better decisions. Um, but Russia and Putin are not like, look, here's what should have happened. When, when, when Putin said, you know, chemical warfare thing came out. Joe couldn't do this, but Donald Trump could. 
Like what he said to Kim Jong-un, going to make you feel fire and fury like you've never felt, be felt before, little rocket man. Or, or you have a button, I have a bigger button, and mine works. I mean, Trump can get away with that because people thought Trump would do it. The fact that no one thinks Joe Biden can do anything is the problem. No one... No one believes what he's going to say, but he says it anyways, and then Putin grabs it and spins it as propaganda, and the press is still trying to protect him, which is even worse, and God knows what the truth is out of the Ukraine. For all we know, they could be having parties over there with cocaine and hookers, and it's just a big old deal, but the press is giving us poppycock just to get our money. I don't know. No one knows shit anymore. The press can't be believed. The press blew any credibility they have during the Trump era. I don't believe any of them, unless I go over there and see with my own eyes. I don't believe any of it. Yeah, uh, I do want to point out once again that any the three uh, things that Biden denies happened, these three gaffes over the last few days, uh, any one of them to a paranoid dictator could have uh, incited some type of preemptive strike by that dictator. That's how dangerous misspeaking like that is on the world stage. That's how dangerous. So for him to walk away from it and claim he didn't really mean anything and that none of it happened is also irresponsible. Here's the last clip about this particular issue. You've said that uh, you're confident that your comment won't undermine diplomatic efforts. But just to be clear, are you confident that Vladimir Putin sees it that way, that he will not use this as an escalatory? Uh... I don't care what he thinks. Look, here's the deal. He's going to do what he's going to do. Would you meet President Putin no. ever again? It depends. No, it's not a question. Either. The question is, is there something to meet on that would justify him being able to end this war and be able to rebuild Ukraine? So That's the issue. Can you just say yes or no, Mr. President, whether or not you would be willing to meet with President Putin It depends again? on what he wants to talk about. Thank you. Uh, I think the important moment out of that particular clip, JR, is when he says, I don't care. How can he not care? And how can he respond that way? I, this is so uh, flippant and so dangerous. Yep. Even in answering reporters' questions, he is making it worse instead of better. Yeah, he's, he's reinforcing the thought I just had, too, about uh, the prior reporter that was talking about the 50 years of, uh, of experience. Well, what he's had is 50 years of gaffes. He's been known for gaffes when he... When arguably he was cognitively at his best, he was still prone to gaffes to the point where Obama hit him multiple times because he was out there screwing up. Right. And, and uh, you know, he, he, you can go through his career uh, when he wasn't in the position he's in. And now, obviously, he is struggling. And I, here, my theory is this. He is compromised to the point where things that are talked about things that are probably in, inappropriate to speak or to share, just the fact that they've been discussed, he, he'll throw them out in, in, in real time at a moment because that's what comes to his mind. And again, his comments, it's, it's like the, the Federal Reserve. When, when Jerome Powell, uh, you know, sneezes, the world gets a cold. And when the leader of the free world says something, it has meaning. And other world leaders were having the exact same response that the press was uh, reinforcing. And uh, they've, got, they've got to get their handle on him and rein him in and do damage control before it happens. Because the last thing we need is for this thing to escalate based on his words and, and for Putin to use that propaganda to, to, for his vices. Uh, Vince, it says a lot. When the preceding week, 
Kamala Harris was in Europe and was considered to be a disastrous trip. But yet it looks like it was the better of the two trips. That says a lot about this administration, doesn't it? It definitely does. And it's it's almost you'd almost have to think that they sent Kamala Harris out first. So Joe Biden would have a better trip uh, to Europe. Right. And, and and kind of be able to elevate his his uh, his trip there. But man, I mean, he is just he really is. He's just the cranky old man on the porch yelling at the kids to get off his lawn. And he he's just he's ownery and he's just he's just crabby and nasty. And, you know, and and it, it's true. You, it's, I think I think, JV, you kind of referred to this, but but, you know, you've got liberal left wing reporters who are putting on the kit gloves to basically <laughs> attack him with their questioning and try to call him out on things. And they have to, of course, they have to preface it first and say, listen, we're your friends still, but you got to be, you got to answer these questions. We can't go out there and defend you anymore is what they're saying. And again, you know, I kind of said this the last, the last time around, but uh, you know, elections have consequences. And, and, and when everybody was so damn focused on just getting, you know, we have to get the orange man out of the white house. And that was the only thing we were worried about in 2022. Nobody thought it through to say, Hey, what about foreign policy? What about important issues? What about our economy? What about our gas prices? What about our cost of living and our quality of life? We did when, 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 and and I wish there was one person watching the show. I don't know how many how many detractors do you have watching the show. It's not supporters, but you know when when everybody out there filled in the little bubble next to Joe Biden's name, is this what you were looking for when you did it? Because because everybody tried to tell you this is what you were going to get, and now you've got exactly what you voted for. You know, and, and so so to some extent, it shouldn't be a surprise. To another extent, it's sad. But and and Jr. was just kind of saying this too. This is downright dangerous. This America, yes, does America take part in regime changes? Absolutely. We've done it a million times, but we don't do it with world powers that have a nuclear arsenal. That's not where we've ever done that kind of shit. That's where we go in and we're covert about it and we're quiet about it. We let the CIA go in and do things and we use the black budgets and we do all those things that we need to do to go in. Britt, you're loving that I'm saying this now, but that's where we go in and and we, uh, you know, we go in and we fight these wars without it looking like the United States is going head to head against another superpower because everybody knows that's how a real war starts. Uh, Britt, I've got one more item related to uh, these gaffes, and you hit on it earlier. That's why I wanted to save it for you here. But uh, our good friend, friend Bill Crystal, who oh I used God. to respect this man. I used to think he actually knew what the hell was going on, and I don't know what happened to him, but he's become a raving lunatic. Well, he put out a tweet, and I wish I had a copy of the tweet, but I don't, so I'll read it for you. It says, gaffes by U.S. presidents per the foreign policy establishment. And he then quotes the Joe Biden gaffe. And then he quotes, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. So he's trying to equate um, Biden's quote-unquote gaffe with Reagan's uh, statement, Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Now, the difference is, and it's pointed out in this particular article, that Reagan never walked back his statement, never apologized for a statement, stood by his statement, and his entire foreign policy was related to that statement. Um, whereas this particular statement by Biden has been disavowed, walked back, re-explained, et cetera, et cetera. And I will mention that there is a comment here that somebody retweeted to Crystal about this. He said, Reagan's staff didn't come out immediately and say, no, 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 that's not what he meant. The wall can stay. Keeping the wall is entirely cool with us. When did you become such an idiot, Crystal? That was the the response, one of the responses to yep. the tweet. There are a lot of them. Yeah. But yeah, they try I mean Bill Crystal tried to equate this with Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall. 
Right. And and also let's remember that Reagan wasn't trying to oust Gorbachev. It was, you know, he's pushing him to change his policies and open up. And what happened shortly thereafter, the wall came down, perestroika happened, and Russia changed. USSR disappeared, and that area changed forever, which Putin's trying to uh trying to uh build back better, apparently. Um and let's be honest, Crystal's an idiot, Biden's an idiot. We hire the dumbest among us. Um, and you know, like like Vince just said, hey, America, you voted for this man. Apparently 83 million votes, supposedly. Although there's stuff coming out now of, of you know 283,000 overvotes that don't seem to find any paperwork anywhere. So a lot of weird shit that went on from the deep state. But um, you voted for this, America. Elections have consequences. Here we are, baby. Are you ready for your children to die? Because that's what's going to happen to a lot of us. A lot of us are going to have our children die for your hatred of orange man bad because you're a bunch of fucking idiots. Period. You voted for Joe Biden, you're an idiot. All right, let me back that up. If you voted for Joe Biden and you still think it was a good vote today, you are an idiot. You need a sign. Here's your sign, idiot. Because Joe Biden is a train wreck. His administration's a train wreck, and he's going to get kids killed. Probably one of mine, because I have two kids that are 18 years old, just filed for the draft. And I swear to God, if any of my kids get killed in one of Joe Biden's wars, and you have the balls to say to me you proudly voted for Joe Biden, you're going to have, a, a, you're gonna have a, a Chris Rock, Will Smith moment. Am I supposed to take it after this? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <sighs> Anyway, all right, so since I'm, I'm hating on the press, too, right now, I saw this article. Uh, DJ Calligraphy, who's a roving field reporter, investigative reporter, one of the new media that's out there. Um, new York, breaking, New York Times journalist who called all Trump supporters enemies of the state. And I remember seeing this in the New York Times, whole articles on how the Trump people, we were just a bunch of redneck, you know, terrorists, blah, blah, blah. Vince, she turns out to be a Chinese Communist Party operative who worked for the CCP, controlling Beijing reviews. I mean, this chick worked for the New York Times and wrote under the New York Times, and we're supposed to take the press serious today. Um, how does this? How does this stuff even happen? Well, with the New York Times, you have to wonder if it was a mistake or they actually <laughs> they actually hired her knowing. You never know. Um, I'm sure they didn't know that she was maybe a, an agent of, uh, of the Chinese government, but they definitely knew <laughs> enough that, you know, where she stood. Um, yeah, I tell you, I, uh, the, it's really, and I've, I, it's it's interesting because in the last week or so, I've actually had this conversation very often about the changing landscape of the of the news media. Um, it, they don't cover news anymore. It's 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 all it's all based in opinion. It's all based in in we just have to get, you know, whatever eyes that we think are, are either reading or watching or listening to our our news news, you know, that then that's who we have to cater to to make sure we can, you know, keep the advertisers. And it's it's become for the most part, all all entertainment or just catering to 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 one side or the other. And 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 it's 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 actually become sad when you think about it, uh, where it's actually you know where it's it's gotten to. I wonder if this is the same reporter that uh, you know that that also said that the Trump the uh, uh, the uh, Hunter Biden laptop didn't didn't exist, which in the last week or so yeah, has been another probably. just laughable yeah. laughable I embarrassment for the for the New York Times. Right. And did you see the latest and, photos and listen, that have listen, been, the that New York have come Times, off of that? Go ahead. 
I was going to say, the New York Times, listen, has always been a liberal paper, right? It's always been left of center. But there was a yeah. time when, even if you didn't agree with them, you actually respected them for the journalism that they actually, you know, that they, they actually would, would, would uphold. And it's just, it's, it's getting tougher to do that, isn't it? If not. Yeah, it's impossible. not there anymore. Yeah. Not there anymore. Um, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop from hell, the latest stuff that's coming out of it. Uh, Pelosi's son is uh, on that laptop in photos with a tied up woman of Asian descent doing cocaine, doing some kind of white substance off of her. So Pelosi's son. And, you know, there's also I mean, and also, uh, you know, Romney's kid was running around with 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 Hunter Biden. I mean, who knows all the crap that's on there that they don't want us to see and that they're suppressing so hard. Anyway, it's getting it, it's, it's getting right there with Epstein's it, list. Yeah, for real. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that's insane. a half joke, but that's half real, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, the 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 elite and the powerful are doing sick, perverted stuff because they can get away with it, and they are getting away with it. Jr. So this reporter was in charge of the Beijing beat for the New York Times. He was in charge of all the reviews of Beijing, what China's doing, and whatnot. So the the mainstream media. Ah, try not to say one tonight. Um, well, I was away for a week. You, uh, you probably, you know, got out of practice. Yeah, yeah you're probably exactly right. Um, so the mainstream media, the New York Times, the lady of the, 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 the news, what is it? The rag, the newspaper of record is what they call it. The gray lady. Um, literally the gray lady, the newspaper of record. She, uh, they have a Chinese spy, a Chinese operative working for them. We can, uh, argue whether they knew or not i think they did but she's the one that's in she's working for the ccp and she's in charge of all the stuff that goes in the newspaper of record about the ccp and I, the new york times is okay with that and people seem to be okay with that because they keep subscribing and reading it yeah how, how did she get caught brit i didn't see that article i saw the headlines and uh but I, I i would be on vincent's camp there it would be highly more likely that they knew and we're okay with that because her spin on on reporting on the CCP was exactly uh, the positive press that they wanted to include in the paper. But uh, at some point, she got exposed here, and I I don't know the answer to how that was. Do you? Well, we there was a there was a ring of uh, CCP scientists or uh, professors, scientists that were working in our universities that got wrapped up. I think she got wrapped up in that because they were going after that pretty uh -huh. hard. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I think so, that's how that so came the, about. But so she reluctantly got exposed for what she was and the frauds that she was uh, writing about, and uh, they had to do something about it when, when you know, enough daylight got shed on what she was doing. So um, you you can liken that to other things that are starting to get exposed over time as well. And an optimist might hope that this is a good sign of things to come, and that some of this. Uh, corruption that has been going on seemingly ubiquitous <laughs> is is finally beginning uh yeah. uncovered and quite possibly uh it will come back to haunt them at a pivotal time in our history and a very important time in our history so that's my optimism um regarding this article I hope you're right. Uh, JV, you want to comment on any of that before I move on to the next subject? I do want to say something that I forgot to remember when I said to you, I had a point I wanted to make before I gave it to you, Brad. And then, yeah, I remember what it was. The fact is that, uh, and this point is not an original point. I saw somebody make it earlier today on, on, on a cable news program. But the fact is that there's a whole staff out 
over the course of the weekend, uh, walking back statements that the president made. You have to ask the question, who the hell's in charge? If the president isn't walking out himself yeah. and saying, here's my positions, I misspoke here, this is what I... Who's who's the one that's saying, oh, that's he didn't mean to say that. Let's tell everybody what he meant to say. I mean, where's that coming from? Who's in charge in the White House? This is a question we've all been asking for a while. But it's clearly not him. Uh, um, the other thing I want to say is Paul Thaddeus. Uh, thank Susan you, Rice? Thank you for the shades, uh, the contribution in, in Foxhole, Paul. Thanks so much for that. I meant to do that earlier. And then as far as this goes, the New York Times continues to have its hand in the cookie jar. It keeps getting caught taking money from the Chinese. I mean, there, weren't there a series of ads that the Chinese, it was kind of this, this pay for editorial thing they had going on with the New York Times. Why does anybody take the New York Times seriously anymore? It's no better than CNN, MSNBC, or most of the network news broadcasts for that matter. I don't understand why they still have the reputation they have. I don't think anybody with any real clear objectivity or, or understanding of what's happening gives them any credit anymore. They are they have sold themselves out to the point where they have no meaning anymore. Sadly, though, they've been around so long. They've built up such a reputation. And I think Vince is right. The people that they're writing to their audience, which is left of the way left of the tracks now. And those people believe everything they write, lock, stock and barrel. And that's a sizable chunk of our country that is a problem, really is a problem. I mean, honestly, it's a, it's a huge problem that our press is just straight up lying to us. Um, anyway, and uh, to answer your question, it's Susan Rice, Valerie Jarrett, Obama. The Obama people are running the House, and they're all millennials. They all have college educations. They never worked a, a day in their life in the real world. And this is, all, this is what happens when you let professors run a country. We're, we're witnessing it right now. Because nothing seems to work, ever. Um, all right, moving on. There's uh, another little fun little story. Uh, we'll start with you, Vince. DoorDash has launched a new initiative to uplift small businesses that are owned by pretty much anyone except straight white men. The program, called the DoorDash Accelerator for Local Goods, is described, is described in the press release as an, an educational program designed to uplift local consumer packaged goods, consumer packaged goods businesses owned by entrepreneurs who are women, transgender, immigrants, and people of color. So basically anybody but a straight white male. Um, wh why does DoorDash get to be racist? I, I don't understand this. Oh, that's not racist. That's, uh, that's, that's the woke culture that we all live in and need to uh, adhere to now, right? Where we, we have to uh, pay back all those who have in some way, shape, or form been oppressed over the last, I don't know, anywhere from 24 months to... 24 decades or whatever it is and and uh, this is this is what we've we've you know this is it's interesting because i think we've slowly been seeing this for a very long time right it's been creeping in and creeping in and creeping in and now we don't even they don't, it's not even hidden right i mean we you have governments who've been giving you know special treatment to businesses who are owned by minorities and listen i, I i'm all for giving everyone a fair shake at, at being able to become a successful business person and run their business. But we've kind of gotten to the point where, yeah, it's almost like, you know, if you are the uh, the straight white male, forget it, you're done, right? You have nothing. I mean, and, and there's one in New York, uh, New York is finally getting around to, um, uh, to uh, uh, legalize uh, marijuana and start opening uh, dispensaries and, and, and and uh, distribution and things like that and and they, they they've legalized that they're working through the, the licensing process now and and they've just come out about two weeks ago and said that they are going to be giving preference 
to licenses to people who have marijuana convictions in their backgrounds. So uh, it's like it's like when when do we stop trying to overcompensate for what it's not even a real wrong because I'm not sure that people with marijuana convictions are necessarily running around saying, hey, I want to be righted for my conviction. Right. But but we feel this need to overcompensate for what, you know, the, the liberal white guilt has become that they feel they have to to, to for, for all of these minorities who who, you know, I mean, uh, listen, I. You would think just having an open process and open being more open to having communities with with people who might not look the same as all of us and, and might be different. It's just not enough for that woke culture and the and the liberal extreme left to just say that you know that's that's what we need to do. It's, it's we're going to take this extra step and, and and unfortunately you have a lot of businesses and here's here's one example where DoorDash is going to just buy in because they think it's good for their business model, which again. I, I don't understand businesses who try to play the woke political game because I don't understand how that works well for business, but maybe I'm wrong. It never seems to work well in the end. And I do have to say, Vince, that you sound so amazing with the proper mic selected. That mic you oh, have. I'm glad. I'm glad makes you, 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 you almost at the, you're almost at JV level of a booming oh, really? radio voice. Yeah, it's it's oh, impressive. Wow. Okay. So I'm glad we yeah. fixed that today. How long have you had that mic? Yeah, 2 too. months and we always had it on the wrong setting. <laughs> no. At least at least that. At least that. <laughs> Oopsie. <laughs> Oopsie. So JR. So JR. So so oh, so basically the woke brigade is basically is slicing out of the um the entrepreneurial pie straight white men. So what happens when all of us straight white men um, go off and make our own thing and do our own thing. Kind of think about South Africa apartheid, you know, where you know they have their thing they're doing and we have our thing that we're doing, and we do our shit better. And they want to come over and you know and partake of our stuff that we're doing. Uh, can we say no to that? I mean, they're not letting us do their join their party. Can we say no to letting them join our party at that point? Or do we just need to lay over and be hit by yeah. a train? You know, reverse. Uh discrimination is a thing and you know vince i think articulated it well talking about all these you know theoretical wrongs that we're trying to make right and um you know new york is is the king of that um they've had policy for minority and women-owned businesses for decades and uh, having worked you know with businesses trying to uh build something or purchase something and it has to have a x percent uh of of minority uh, or women-owned businesses supply part of that project and there are none um depending on what the project is there, there are no companies in our you know four county area where they can actually fulfill the regulation so it's 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 uh it's reverse discrimination run amok uh, to the point where it's not even practical. And, and the other thought I've had on this, and, and there was an incident, I might've shared it with JV uh, a couple weeks ago, but uh, you know, we're coming out of COVID. <laughs> Every business is having issues, you know, uh, took a hit essentially during COVID. And, and to come out and advocate strictly for one segment of the business population because of the color of their skin or their gender or how they believe, uh, whatever it might be, especially coming out of COVID to me seems a little um, inappropriate. 
Yeah, well, I, I, I get, I, I get what the intent is, but it's uh, like the whole woke thing is, is, is just overreached uh, and run amok. It's just on steroids, and the, and the greater you woke you can be, the uh, the bigger you can pump your chest, and and uh, but when you're dealing with people's lives and their livelihoods and. Uh, they're employees that work for these companies and you're choosing winners and losers and not letting the free market do it. Uh, that has a long history of being unsuccessful. JV, you want to come in on any of this? I feel, you know, there's so much going on. I'll let you just comment on what you want. And I have one more article to go around and then you can have it back. Yeah. So uh, I just wonder if they'll ultimately decide they don't want our tax money either. They don't want any straight white men's tax money either because it just mm -hmm. poisons the amazing. system, you know, and then, then we'll have something to talk about. Uh, we have a Supreme Court nominee that was chosen based on color and gender. We have a vice president that was chosen based on color and gender. We're seeing the abandonment of a meritocracy where the people who are most qualified are the ones that get chosen for the most important jobs. That's That's been all but thrown out the window in favor of this identity politics. So this shouldn't this shouldn't surprise us. It's uh, continuing to be more and more flagrant. As uh, Vince said, they used to try to do it kind of subliminally, kind of below the surface. Now they're just blatant about it. They don't care anymore. And they don't care anymore because I think a lot of the calculations are that while the majority will be non-white soon enough, so let's make sure they know how friendly we are to them. And that's that's the calculation going on in the Democrat Party. I mean, even the NFL is now requiring, and I, I heard this on Matt Couch's show earlier today, so um, I know it's got to be true, but uh, the NFL is now requiring <laughs> that every team hire at least one female assistant yeah, I, I don't know if it's offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, or both. But they have to have them on staff now. I mean, you know, you I used to think that, well, when it comes to sports, this, this shit will never happen because they care too much about winning. And it's nothing's more important to these teams than having the best talent for their money. Uh, but now that's changing, too. So, I don't know. Well, uh, you know, maybe we do need to find that uh, that corner of, of the, the continent somewhere and put our wall up and say, you know what, we'll just do our own thing. Leave us alone. Yeah, leave us alone. But the problem is they won't leave us alone. They cannot no, they not won't. leave us alone. You're right. They, they are the people. They are the people that constantly got to poke you, poke. Do what I say. Do what I say. You got to do. Oh, you're doing that wrong. You got to do what I. It's almost like your mother-in-law in the back seat telling you how to drive. They just they just can't shut up until you <laughs> run your car into the telephone pole at 90 miles an hour. And then maybe they'll shut up. But then they'll tell you you ran into the telephone pole wrong. If you hit it at the proper <laughs> angle, everybody would have died. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there we go. All right, moving on. Um, so this is uh, – go ahead. I was just going to say, Britt, you really missed JV, didn't you? Yes, yes. Where's my telephone pole at? Um, all right, moving on. Uh, J, uh, JR, I'm going to start with you on this because you are a resident money banker finance guy. Uh, U.S. five-year and 30-year Treasury yields on Monday inverted for the first time since 2006, raising fears of a possible recession. Can you explain to me like I'm a third grader what this means? Because I'm confused how this affects me as a peasant. Well, what what it is, uh, the, these are uh, debt issues. That this is how we fund our deficit. So uh, the government issues uh, bonds and treasuries, and the normal yield curve goes from the short end 
to the high end and it goes the long the longer it goes the higher it goes in other words the longer one an investor looks at purchasing something the more risk there is the more unknowns so a uh, a normal and a positive yield curve would uh, on the short maturities you know the three month six month treasuries are at a lower yield and the uh, and the longer the 30 year for example would would be where the most risk is because you know who can look out 30 years so that's where the rates are higher that's a normal and a productive uh uh linear line inversion is when the risks on the short end are such that they outweigh uh the uh, assumed time risks on the long term end and that and that is a, uh, a certainly a negative thing and i believe since um you know certainly in the last 70 years post-world war ii say every time i think without exception that the uh the yield curve inverted it led to a recession you know within uh like 12 months sometimes it's quicker and sometimes it might be a little longer but every you know basically there's been you know probably uh seven or eight recessions since world war ii and every time it had an inverted yield curve. That worked. So okay, yeah, kind of. I mean, yes, yeah, yeah. Basically, the longer the long the longer the note, the more risk you have, which means you could make more money or lose more money. You should have a you should have a higher return on the longer note. Yeah, yeah, because there's more risk. Shorter. But now we're saying, but now they're looking to go. Man, the short term we're going to be screwed up here. Is real short, so let's go long and hopefully it's better. You know, fifteen years past Biden basically is what I'm taking from it. So for me, so well, for me right now, do I spend my money or do I hold my money? Well, the other the other point of it is the demand versus the supply too. When more people think that way, then there's more demand on the long end, and that brings the price down too. And that that's what really causes the uh, the inversion. And on the short end, there's just more risk. So uh, there is less demand. So uh, that's what that's what brings it up. Because when the when the government issues a debt, it's at X percent, you know. But it's the market it. that dictates uh, by the demand or the lack thereof that dictates the price. So the market, you know, mother market, as they say, is rarely wrong. And what it usually do it does is uh, it's a precursor of what's to come. So I think I think once. Uh, it was a false positive in the around the mid '60s, maybe, where it did invert briefly, and we did not have a recession. But other than that, every time it inverted, it certainly there was one. Um, so, so the market would tell you that things are dicey enough for you know a collection of reasons that uh, the yield curve has inverted, and that's that's one of those things that raises red flags, and and you know the market. Uh, is projected to be more volatile and maybe have a correction. Thus, you go into the safety of treasuries um, and, and go long instead of risking the uh, uh, things on the short end. Okay. So now going over to Vince, our resident... Whoa, look at that. I got a close-up. Oh, my God. <laughs> so going over to Vince, who is our, who is our professional resident uh, political advisor... Um, so, okay. so you have a so if you have a client that you're advising and you see this happen, I mean, on the political front, what does this do to Joe Biden? Uh, politicians that are in office now, if you're seeing this, what are you doing to insulate yourself from it so you don't lose the next election? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's going to be a tough one. Um, and I'll tell you why, because I'll, 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 in the layman's term, because JR gave us a great economic explanation of, of what is exactly going on. I'll, uh, I'll give you the layman's terms of what's happened here is that we fucked up a really good thing. Um, it's going to be yep. really hard for a lot of people to justify how good things were and how bad they are now and be able to hold their spots in elected office. Good luck. Good luck. I mean, really. I mean, how do you tell people? It's the This comes down to the basics of the age-old question in politics. Are you better off today than you were four years ago? And there is not one person in this country, I guarantee it, there is not one person in this country who can honestly say yes to that question. I mean, from a, from an economic standpoint, from a cost of living standpoint, right? Everything, inflation's through the roof, highest inflation rates we've seen in decades. We've got we've got the cost of everything going up. Even if you do have the few extra dollars still, right? And you and your and your company didn't get shut down, and you're back in business, or you maybe you didn't economically get too uh, too hurt during COVID. You're coming back. Your dollar's not worth what it was even what it was a year ago when we went down into the lockdown. We had such a good good thing going, and we screwed the whole damn thing up, and a lot. A lot of people are going to need to be held responsible for it. And, I, you know, it's kind of like we have a little bit of a theme going here tonight, it seems. But but again, I'll, I'll say it again. All of this because people were so damn upset about how President Trump tweeted and what he said. And he was mean and he, you know, he was, you know, he didn't say things the way he was supposed to. And we have to get him out of there and we have to vote him out. And nobody gave two shits about the consequences of doing that at a time when things were riding high. I'm one who often believes, listen, when I advise clients and and candidates and, and elected officials, yeah, if you're in the middle of an upswing and things are going good, you take credit for it all day long. The truth is, I actually believe when it comes to the economy, there's no one political person in office who makes a decision and changes the economy. I actually believe, you know, there's a natural... a natural ebb and flow to the to the economy. There's a cycle to it, and you've got to be able to play the cycles well politically to take the credit for it. But we're talking about a few years ago. We were we. You've probably got. I mean, Obama, uh, George W. Bush, you probably even Bill Clinton. You probably go back that far and see things that they put in place that were actually working for this country. You've got. You had. You had. You basically had generations of presidents who had made economic decisions where we were just humming along at a great pace and we just threw it all out the window. We threw it all out the window because we had to we had to to we had to get Trump out of the White House. Yeah, it's like Trump landed and he put the nitrous to it and we took off like a rocket and then sure. the establishment freaked the hell out because he was looking into Ukraine. Uh, JV, comment on any of that. Go wherever you want. It's all yours. Yeah, so one of the things that I'll say about that is what what we're seeing right now, what we have happening right now is we have a bunch of radical activists in office who don't give a shit about anything yep. but the radical ideology, whether it's climate or, or immigration or whatever it is. Uh, American people be damned. That's what they're about, and that's what they're going to do, and that's what. And we're suffering the effects of that. I don't. I mean, I, I completely understand Jr.'s explanation of the inverted yield curve, and I will say this: last time I had any real experience with this, and maybe it's happened since Jr. I'm not sure, but I remember being in Cooley's Tavern in uh, Cooperstown, New York, talking with a good friend of mine. He's been on this program before, Duger. 
uh, if you remember him, Britt, uh, who is in the financial world himself. And we were talking about stuff. And I just said, what do you think is going to happen? Things are a little funny. And I had a lot of money invested in the stock market at the time, still do. And uh, Duger's response to me was, I don't know, but the yield curve is inverted right now, and it's greatly inverted, and something big is going to happen. And within a week, the stock market crashed to the point, I mean, like it was a 50% crash. JR, I don't remember the exact number, but it was like 50%. Mm-hmm. And that was the, and that turned into the financial crisis uh, that that extended, yeah, that extended through two thousand nine and all of that. So that's mm-hmm. my, I, so when I hear inverted yield curve, I get very very nervous now because I remember that happening almost to, to the minute how that happened when my yeah. friend Duger talked about so, it last time. So is your butt sucking cotton right now? Is my butt sucking cotton? That's a California. Yeah, because term. you're watching the inverted curve. <laughs> I have no idea what yeah, the hell that it, means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it means it means you're like going, oh my god, there's the inverted curve, and your butt just sucked it all up. Yeah, no, it's not doing that, Britt, uh, as much as you'd wish it was. It's not. Or are you shitting diamonds? <laughs> I'm not shitting diamonds either. Yeah. All I know is I'm very nervous for the for the uh, financial future of this country and myself. All right, uh, speaking of the financial future of this country, I'm going to change the subject, but I'm going to go back to the same speech that Biden gave, and this was the actual intention of the speech. The actual intent was to talk about his released budget, but I found it very interesting that a good chunk of his comments were uh, dedicated to this. The first value is fiscal responsibility. The previous administration, as you all know, ran up record budget deficits. In fact, the deficit (laughs) went up every year under my predecessor and making real headway cleaning up the fiscal mess I inherited. After my president's, my, my, excuse me, my predecessor's fiscal mismanagement, we were reducing the Trump deficits and returning our fiscal house to order. JR, he's still, I mean, what are we now in? We're, we're a year and several months into his presidency. He has caused massive inflation, massive shortages. We're on the brink of World War III, yet he'll still stand up there and try to blame Trump for something. I'm not even sure what he's blaming him for. Uh, fiscal irresponsibility? I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Well, he's he's uh, blaming the uh, deficit status that we're in right now based on Trump. And guess what? <laughs> it shouldn't be a surprise because we had uh, eight years of Obama blaming Bush, right? So it's 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 a thing. Yeah, it's a strategy. But you know, he acts like they just haven't spent six trillion dollars in the last year and a half. You know, I mean, it's a crazy amount of money. I mean. Did, did we have deficits under Trump? Yes, that was a. If if I had to think of one thing under Trump that he that he really didn't handle to the degree that, you know, I would have liked myself, that was it. But uh, you know, that is a thing that there isn't a politician around that that wants to address deficits. They like handing out money, and uh, not not saying there isn't money for your cause. Uh, you know, it's not politically expedient, but for him to get up there. You know, talk about the pot calling the kettle black with the amount of money they've spent. You know, granted, we had COVID, and I've I've said many times, you don't worry about how much water yeah uh, you, you're using when the fire is hot, right? But but to then go out and spend discretionary money on the heels of this, knowing what you just spent, and now still wanting to spend more, and then saying it's Trump's fault, is completely disingenuous, and I I can't. Maybe the most ardent partisan Democrats 
might buy into that, but uh, that that that's just it's just not accurate. And uh, my guess is he will get called on that, like he's starting to get called on some of his other lies that uh, he uh, is prone to do. And Vince, you may know, I don't, uh, but I think that in the first half of the Trump presidency, deficits are running pretty well standard. Uh, certainly when you compare it to the uh, the amount of, what is it, 20? I'm trying to remember the exact number. I know it was Obama that put us over $20 trillion in debt. He, he spent more right. in deficit than all presidents previous combined. And then COVID hit, and money was just flying out the door. And Biden is comparing his numbers to those numbers, a little bit of an unfair comparison. It'd be like saying, you know, it'd be like Truman saying uh, two years after World War II ended, oh, look how, look how much money we're, we're saving and how fiscally responsible we are. Well, uh, FDR had to fight World War II. But before I give you this, I want to play another cut from this. Right now, billionaires pay an average rate of 8% on their total income. A firefighter and a teacher pay more than double, double the tax rate that a billionaire pays. That's not right. That's not fair. Not true. And my budget contains a billionaire minimum tax because of that. A 20% minimum tax that applies only to the top one hundredth of one percent. One hundredth of one percent of the Americans will pay this tax. The billionaire minimum tax is fair and it raises three hundred and sixty billion dollars that can be used at lower cost for families and cut the deficit. Vince, what happens when you raise taxes like that on billionaires and even millionaires for that matter? What happens? Yeah, I'm a firm believer that when you start doing that, that's when you uh, uh, that's that's when that's that's when that's when you start to uh, slow things right to a complete halt. Right. There's there's no money into the system. And and that's the thing that that makes zero sense is that they have done so much. And that's and I think, you know, this started under Trump and, and then even Biden continued these things is trying to put so much money into the economy to keep the economy moving. Uh, the problem is you can't escalate costs like they have right with inflation and then still make sure still have people, you know, people are going to start holding on to their dollars. But but if you start if you start taxing billionaires at the same rates that, you know, uh, you know, you're talking, I, I don't know, it's a firefighter salary. Let's say, let's say a firefighter makes a hundred thousand dollars and they're taxed at, you know, at 28% or something like that. That, that amount is still less than, than 8% of what a billionaire is making. And I don't understand when, when we just forget about the raw numbers, right? We just forget well, about I, the raw I also, numbers. I also want to point to out there's no billionaire who's paying an 8% tax rate. No, that right. doesn't exist right. either. Nope. They're, they're still paying 30. What's right. the top rate? 37 or 30? I'm not sure where we are 39. these days. 39. 39. They're paying 39%, yeah, 39%, but the difference is they are they can afford accountants and, and advisors to find tax shelters for them. Right. And, and, and again, even finding the tax shelters is putting money back into the economy and getting things moving in a way that we have to keep it moving. And I don't, I still, to this day, I can never figure out why. You know, why, why the damn Democrats are always so opposed to making sure people have money to be able to put that money back into the economy. And it's your it, that's that's what, you know the, the dirty top one percent. Holy shit. Without them. I mean, you know, especially in a state like New York where, you know, everybody's like, oh, we should just, you know, lop off New York City and forget about it. <laughs> Good luck funding the rest of the state because it's that's where your revenue is generated from. And, and it, it's, you know, again, you want to talk about, you know, simple economics. Holy cow. Just I, that's not that's not hard for someone to understand why we need we need to have more money put into the system to create jobs, to create the, you know, the, the different demand on on uh, on, on certain goods. I just I don't get it. 
Yeah, don't and, get it. And those tax shelters that we referenced there, they're they're put in place in the tax code to encourage certain types of investment in communities and municipalities right. and other places because we have a need to have money put into those things. And that's why they're there. Britt, I want to quote from a pamphlet that I bought a while ago. It's uh, Thomas Sewell's. It's Trickle Down Theory and Tax yeah. Cuts for the Rich. And this is full of really great information. But I just want to quote one of the first things that he writes about when he talks about the fallacy of tax cuts or the fallacy of the fact that um, tax cuts for the rich lead to less revenue. He talks about it being just the opposite. When you lower the upper tax rates, Correct. more money is invested, more money circulates, more tax revenue is generated. But he goes back to the origin of the tax code, the income tax, and he talks about uh, when this was first tried, he said there were 206 people rep who reported a taxable income of at least $1 million or more in 1916. But as the tax rates rose, that number fell from 206 to just 21 people by 1921. Then, after a series of rate cuts during the 20s, the number of indi individuals reporting taxable incomes of a million dollars went from 21 back up to 207 by 1925. So the money goes offshore. The people go offshore, and the government yep. ends up making less money, and there's less investment in the economy overall. Yeah, there's a, there's a handful of things that are screw, screwed up with this, uh, they're thinking. But you are right. Every time there's been a, a sizable tax cut, more revenue has come into the government. Uh, just like every time they've loosened, uh, they've allowed law-abiding citizens to carry guns concealed, uh, crime goes down considerably. Proven statistical facts. Both sections, both those things go completely against the liberal, uh, the liberal orthodox, the liberal Marxists that want to take over and control us all because they think they're smarter than us. Um, but here's the thing about uh, about uh, Joe Biden's deal here. Um, the, he wants to do 20 percent on the un the unrealized gains of the billionaires. So if you is have that, a stock, hold, hold, hold worth, is that buy, is that really part of this proposal? I know it was part of a different yes. proposal. Is it part of this? Oh, is I it? haven't heard that. I thought I mean, it was all maybe. part of the, uh, it's all, I thought it was all, I know I thought that, it was all part of the same thing. That JR, have you heard? Through. Has anybody else heard? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I know what Britt's talking about, but I, I, I'm not positive. Yeah, I do. Too. I know what he's talking budget. about too, but I didn't it's, hear that it was part of this one. Maybe it is. I don't know. I know that there, I know that there's some hubbub on it right now that they're, that they're trying to push it through. I thought it was what this current, the, cause this is what, four point something trillion he's trying to do again. It's five point eight trillion is the this total one. budget, and I, and this is a twenty percent. I think it's in this. This is one. not a twenty percent tax. It is. This is a twenty percent minimum tax. Right, twenty percent so, minimum so, on unrealized gains from billionaire investor it, stuff. Yes. Yeah, we're, so we're, it is part of this. Right, regardless of where it is, but just think right. of the difference here. So if you've got a if you've got an effective tax rate of eight percent, as Biden contends here, on a billion dollars income or whatever it is, he's talking about a. 150% increase in that to get to a minimum of 20%. 150% tax increase. Mm -hmm. That's right. not a and, small number. And they and they want to factor in your unrealized gains of your stocks because he, they always bitch about the billionaires uh, having so much money, but what they don't realize is that most of that's in stocks and assets. So basically, for people that don't understand, if you buy a stock at $10, you buy it at $10 and it goes up $10. So now your stock's worth $20 in that year. You, but you don't sell it. They still want to tax you on that $10 increase. 
So say you keep that stock for another year and it crashes. It goes all the way down to $2 and then you sell it. Well, you still got to pay what it went up to. You still have to pay that unrealized tax. So people, people freak out. Oh, it's just a billionaire. Screw the billionaires and whatever. Think about what that happens. Yeah. To, when has it ever stayed at the billionaire level? It will trickle down. So you say you buy a home. No, it's, it's, you buy it's your already, home for $200,000. Yeah, it's already, yeah, because what is it? It's people over 100 yeah. million is really what it is. Yeah, it's, it's 100 million. It's 100, it's 100 million. Right? Yeah, 100 million. 100 million. And it is. I but, just, but I think just about, confirmed it. What, it, is, it is unrealized capital gains. They are putting this unrealized capital gains yeah. provision his, into this his new, proposal? His new plan that he's calling the billionaire minimum yeah. income tax. That's incredible. Which is household incomes over $100 million, which, listen, $100 million is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, but it's not a billion. Right. Those aren't those aren't the billionaires. Yeah, it's not and, billion. And, and sorry, I didn't mean to hijack this, but I, one other piece that I yeah. want to add. No, no, go ahead. When, when, they, when they talk about the 1%, the household income to be considered the 1% is $600,000. If you run a successful yeah. small business, there's a good chance that your gross income is $600,000. I mean, that's who they're, that, when they say tax the 1%, tax the rich, they're talking about people who probably consider themselves to be maybe upper middle class. You know, that's a lot of people that you're taking, you're going to take a chunk of money from. And those are the people who are, are making the economy work. As we mm -hmm. were discussing, sorry. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll just yeah. say this, a lot of them are S-corps. And they have to pay their debt, you know, from that income as well right. that allowed them to make that money in the first place. So right. 600000 at the end of the day is not what they made. You know, it, it's their net no. income from which they have to, and maybe they deducted interest in there, but they still have to pay their principal. So it's even, right. yeah. you know, it's not, 600000 is not 600000 And the other thing I'll say, this had happened in the past. One of the things Trump, advocated when he was running for office and he did was do a uh, a tax holiday or a, a discount for the repatriated dollars to try to bring them back from overseas so as, as jv said the billionaires whatever whatever level you want to call this who has the most money to hire the accountants who has who's the most mobile yep. who's a, who, who can who can move things to tax-free bonds like we talked about earlier, and not have to pay tax at all on them. Now, granted, they're there for a purpose because that's how we 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 get the investors to, to spark investment. But you can't kill that goose and expect them to just take it. And as as uh, as that book indicated, you know, if if you want more of something, what do you do? You incent it. If you want less of something, you disincent it. So raising these egregious tax at 150 percent would be uh, doing just the opposite of what might be productive, although it, you know, I, I'm sure it'll be applauded and cheered on, in the liberal circles. But in actuality, it, it will not work. Right. And basically what Joe, what Joe Biden's doing is he's pandering to his far-left whack jobs, which also tells us that he is hurting probably. His numbers are hurting all the way across the board. <laughs> if he's trying to pull something off like this just to appease his extreme far-left. So it means that he's really hurting numbers-wise. But, yeah, it, it's a completely unfair tax. It's already been reported that China is producing more millionaires and billionaires than the United States for the first time. This is a major turning point in world yep. economy. So you want to you create an, an additional environment which sends money into China or other uh, countries, Brazil, India, these, these BRIC countries that have lower costs of investment, lower uh, opportunities for government to, to, to take the money. That's just going to send all the capital overseas again. This is a horrible economic policy, once again, by the Biden administration. It's horrible.
Um, I had more to talk about on that, but I think I'm going to skip it just because I think we actually covered it pretty well. Uh, I want to talk about, let's see here. I want to talk about this for a second. So Elon Musk is now giving serious thought to building a rival to Twitter. He's had enough with, of censorship. And one of the things I like about Elon Musk, I don't know, I haven't really followed him that closely, um, JR, but he seems to get it. He, he's obviously a genius. So, you know, I can't even, uh, I can't even keep up with him in that regard. However, he seems to get it and he recognizes this stuff and he's speaking out about it. And there's a lot of people, particularly younger people, that are listening to him. So here you have yep. him talking about building a rival to Twitter. My question is, why didn't he just freaking buy Twitter? It's all, its market cap is thirty-two billion. It's not that. I mean, it's not a big deal for him. Hmm. Well, maybe he's waiting for it to become cheaper. I don't know, but uh, he, he is an interesting individual. I mean, he—he he fits the model and the prototype that that young people and uh, and the left would typically uh, aspire to somebody like him who would then with their wealth would uh, endorse liberal causes. And um, he, he is not that kind of an individual. He speaks his mind and he has the, uh, the pulpit from his successful business and meant, and not just one, but, but certainly others. And, and he's continually creative. He's in the news and, and, and he he has some street creds that uh, the younger folks um, would listen to. So thank God we have a few Elon Musk around that uh, can kind of counter uh, and, and and get and actually get coverage on their other thoughts that uh, you know can not balance the equation, but at least at least provide in the public forum uh, a counter to the to the mainstream media's uh, you know clarion call of liberalism. Vince, uh, I'm certain now that in addition to most government officials listening to this program, Elon Musk has been listening as well um, because he's quoted as saying something that we have said on this program almost verbatim. And if I had time earlier today, I would have gone back and found this quote at least once, maybe a couple of times on the show here. But he said in a tweet, quote, given that Twitter serves as the de facto public town square, failing to adhere to free speech principles fundamentally undermines democracy. And that kind of sums it up completely. It definitely does. And I think if he's actually getting serious about about. Uh, uh, about, you know, creating a rival to Twitter. I mean, I, I think there's a couple things here. If that's, and you're right, I have heard him say something like that and, and talk about the, you know, the, the whole idea of the public square and the fact that, you know, you can't trust, you, you can't trust the news is basically what he's telling everybody, right? And um, I don't know if it's just he's going to make a threat and that, you know, to, that'll that'll force Twitter to maybe uh, to, to change its, uh, it's uh, change its policies in terms of uh, of censorship, or maybe maybe he's serious. Maybe he is going to start something, and maybe. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that I, I find interesting about Eli uh, Elon Musk is that, and and the reason we all like him is because he's a capitalist. That's who he is. Right at the end of the day, is he a creative capitalist? Absolutely. Uh, is he does is he is he serious about you know he wants to produce an electric car and and save the world? 
yeah, I actually think he believes that, but I also believe think that he 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 did it so he can make a dollar first. And then, oh, by the way, if the byproduct happens to be something that's better for the environment, that's great. And he believes that there's a niche that he can he can tap into. And you know, the future of the of the of the world is going to be electric vehicles and 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 that and and I think he's tapped into that from a from a capitalistic standpoint. He hasn't done it from a just save the world standpoint. I think part of that he would take to the to the to the Twitter side as well. And I think, you know, for him. Just by the fact that an Elon Musk type could could create a rival to Twitter could actually force Twitter into having to make changes. I think he would see that as a win, but I also think that he would see it as a, as an opportunity where he would get them to make the changes, and then turn around and either be bought out by them or put them in a situation where yes, he could probably just buy Twitter right now and change it all. But I also think if he created a rival and actually became a serious rival to Twitter, I think he would force the price of Twitter to be a lot lower when he goes in and tries to take it over, if that's really what he's trying to do. Britt, you get all orgasmic about social media, so I'm not sure what you think about this in general. However, you know, we've, we just Gettered launched, Truth Social has launched, Gab is out there, Rumble is out there. There are a lot of alternatives already. Obviously, Elon, Elon Musk doesn't feel that any of those are serious alternatives, I guess. Probably not. Also, he probably just wants to control it. I mean, he does what he does, and he has the the wherewithal to do it. And I mean, and also, I mean, he owns SpaceX and a bunch of computers type companies that make crazy computer stuff. They could probably whip together a Twitter, you know, in a week and say, "Here you go, sir. It's done. Let's launch it." And the reality is, if he's on it, it will attract people. It just will. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, although I would love to see him just buy Twitter and. Uh, nuke the shit out of the people inside and fire them all and bring in free speechers. But um, it's probably easier for him to just, to just and cheaper for him to just build it because he's got the infrastructure to do that and the brain power to do that. And uh, I also believe that the reason that Elon Musk is the way Elon Musk is, is because he is on the spectrum. He's slightly as, uh, Asperger's or something like that. I think he said in the past. So he he's lacking a filter. So a lot of shit just comes out and also probably why he's so smart and his brain works the way it does um but he's also into some crazy stuff too so let's not you know i mean he's into transhumanism and you know computer chips in the body and tying people together via matrix and i mean like the borg type stuff from star trek you know he's into some you know crazy stuff yeah he's into some crazy stuff so he's not 100 percent uh 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 normal i don't know what the right word is to say he He's a double-edged sword, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, yeah, yeah, There's I, a joke there somewhere. Yeah, there is. Uh, I have a, I'm trying to decide where to, where to go next here. Um, I want to move through. I, actually, I, wanted, I don't have a, an article about this, but I do want to get some opinions. Obviously, the Oscars were last night, and there was an incident in, during the Oscars that um, shocked a lot of people. Uh, I'm talking about Will Smith getting up and smacking Chris Rock on live television. When I say smacking, I don't mean a, just a little... Slap. Um, he 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 walloped him, and um, some people think this was a publicity stunt. Some people think this was truly legitimate. Uh, a lot of people think that if Mel Gibson had gotten up and done that, he'd be in jail. Jr., what are your thoughts on the on the slap at the Oscars? Well, Mel Gibson would have been in jail, uh, no question about it. Which, you know, I don't know. You're dealing with actors. You're dealing with these award ceremonies that have horrific ratings. So it it just bleeds you to think that this was staged to try to get a little um, publicity. I I I would err. I mean, I would err on that side myself. It just it just seemed so out of place that it almost had to be 
staged and just just to try to uh, help their ratings, get some exposure. Um, they're probably laughing and having a beer afterwards is my opinion of it. But uh, obviously, I don't know. It's just I've, I've seen it several times and, you know, the camera angles are showing it. it. It's very difficult to see how, you know, how hard he actually hit him. You know, and th this is kind of stuff that happens in movies all the time, right? So they, they could certainly pull off the fake if, if they wanted to. And that's that's where I'm leaning, I guess, at this juncture. I um I went into, I hadn't seen the video yet, and I was reading the reports of it, hearing discussions of it, and I thought, this has to be a fake. This is obviously for publicity uh, because these guys wouldn't have done it. And then I saw the video, and then I saw the aftermath when um, Will Smith was yelling obscenities at Chris Rock from back in his chair, and I thought, he's really, he's really unhinged here. This is a real thing. Uh, Vince, real thing or not? Where do you fall on this? You know, it's interesting because I've actually gone, I, I go back and forth on it because there was something about the slap that if, if you watched it, I happened to see somebody posted something and it was in slow motion and it looks like a Hollywood style slap, right? And that's what it, it, it does. It just, there's, there's elements to it that I said, Jesus, that looks, that looks like it's not real. It looked like it was something you'd see done in a movie, right? But it was slowed down and you took a look at it. And then I said to myself, the only thing I can't come up with other than, sure, for ratings, for attention, because, you know, the, people aren't watching these shows anymore. Um, it, it doesn't make sense. That's the one thing. And I'll tell you, if if it, if that were fake, I'll tell you the best performance of the night was, was, uh, was Chris Rock. Because his reaction afterwards, that's the one thing that leads me to believe that, holy shit, that really just happened. Because he was a little flustered and he really, he was like, he screwed up his next lines and reading off the teleprompter, trying to get back in the flow of things. He actually flubbed it a little bit. And, and, and the part, I mean, you've got Will Smith, who I, I can't, I don't remember the number, but it's a single digit number of the number of, of black men who've won, right? Best actor. Right. Uh, right. Why would Will Smith taint that moment for a publicity stunt as the part of it that that's just one of the pieces that I can't. I, I can't come back to and, and and but you know for me the first thing I said is this is what this is exactly what Hollywood has coming is a moment like this when it's supposed to be their their pristine you know red roll out the red carpet type of affair where they all get together and praise how great they are and if you think about it for the last how many years they've had it's become more and more woke it's become more and more you know accepting of this and that and political speeches and everything else you've got it to a point where a Chris Rock is not going to be able to come out on stage and make a joke and it to be just taken lighthearted because you've created an atmosphere where everything is so damn serious and everything is so damn, you know, it has to have a point and a purpose to it. And we have to make this point. We have to make this, per, you know, and make everything a, a, a bigger than it has to be that a guy comes out and rolls out a joke. By the way, he's a freaking comedian who made a joke. And, he, and it wasn't all, really, you know, enough, I mean, it wasn't that It wasn't that insensitive. No. no. No, right. And Jada Smith sat there with a look on her face. And, uh, yeah, well, Will Smith, Will second. Smith was but, laughing about it, and then you could see his wife's smirk. You could see his wife's face yes. turn uncomfortable, and he must have looked over and saw that she was upset, I guess, and then acted. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. So, so for me, it's like, yeah, can I can I understand where it's fake? Yeah, but my problem is, it's like a publicity stunt with no real motive. And it didn't make sense to carry on. And the one thing is that Chris Rock did look, but I think I think this is exactly where Hollywood has gone. You've gotten to a point where this is this is what you're gonna be. This is what you become. You, you know, somebody rolls a joke and you're gonna get all offended. And you're gonna get offended to the point where you're gonna walk on stage and slap the shit out of the guy. 
And and yeah, if it were anybody other than two black actors, this would not be this 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 would not be the discussion today. Yeah, would not. Uh, Britt, I'm going to let you comment on whether you think this was fake or not. But I have to point out there was another uh, incident at the Oscars that immediately followed that particular incident, and it's being called as a wardrobe malfunction with Venus Williams, where they cut to Venus Williams after this punch. I don't know what the time difference or in between was, but they cut to her and she's sitting here and here's the picture and she's got a, uh, if you look closely enough, you'll see why it's considered a wardrobe malfunction. Um, that I can see being done for promotional purposes. That, Brit I can see being done intentionally. As I said, when I saw the the punch thing, I said, that's not fake. That looks real to me. To me. Not just the punch itself, well, but the whole one. the whole follow up to it and all of that. Yeah. Um, so I have a couple observations. Number one, Chris Rock's lucky he didn't make that joke at Alec Baldwin's girlfriend. Would have been a whole different animal. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, there, there is history between Chris Rock and Jada Pickett. Whatever, uh, how are you, what is her name? Jada Pickett Smith. Um, there's history there. He, he, he roasted her at, uh, in 2016 or something. There, there's some dynamics there that, uh, uh, is, is uncomfortable behind the scenes. That's what, that's what the local here, cause I live in LA, I live in Hollywood and the local Fox news, uh, uh, entertainment reporter was saying this morning is that there's, there's some, uh, there's some history there of something that we don't know. Um, also, uh, you know, Jada Pickett Smith is bald because she's suffering from some kind of a. A disease, I don't know what it is, but part of it is the loss of her hair. Alopecia. So there's that. Alopecia, thank you. Um, now, did Chris Rock know that or not know that? I don't know. Uh, and then you add that the whole relationship dynamic with 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 uh, with um, uh, Smith and and Pickett and uh, uh, being an open relationship, and he's a Chuck, and all the stuff that he's. So there is some weird Hollywood crap going on. Uh, that I think when Chris Rock did that, it's already kind of a, a, a wound or a, an issue. Uh, Will Smith kind of is like smirking it off because it's comedy and looks over at his wife is like going, uh, he's, she's hurt feelings or she's pissed. And he's like, fuck, she's going to kill me tonight if I don't do something. So he went to defend his woman's honor and he went up there and did that. And that's why when he got back to the seat, he yelled, keep my wife's uh, name out of your effing mouth those couple times. Uh, my other thought is, what if he gone and done that if it was The Rock up there that said that, <laughs> as opposed to a five foot seven little comedian? <laughs> so, that's a good point. I, I want, so there's I'll a lot there. I think there's a lot there. Good, Vince. Yeah, there's something else interesting about what you just brought up, Britt, and that is that Chris Rock, and I'm I'm definitely not saying that Chris Rock is like a Republican or right of center or anything like that, but the crew that he rolls with, right? Adam Sandler, David Spade, uh, yeah. Kevin James, they're all known as more right of center type actors. So it's yeah. very interesting. And, I, and Chris Rock, I, I, can't, I can't think of a time when Chris Rock has done or said anything that says, oh, man, he's one of those he's one of those crazy, you know, crazy left wingers. I, 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 so it's just another it's another element to this whole thing that just makes the whole the whole thing part suspect and part just it's a strange story, isn't it? In, in the end, yeah. Well, and the other thing is you'd, ex you'd expect. I mean, even if it pissed him off to the point where he felt like he had to address it, I'm talking about Will Smith. You, you could almost see him getting up, walking up to him, putting putting his arm around him and said, don't you say another fucking word about my wife, and then walking and sitting down. But to throw, to walk up and sucker punch him 
which is basically yeah. what happened, is a completely different level, a completely well, different level. Throw, throw a punch at the after party. Yeah, right. Not, right. not on stage. Yeah. Not live. Of people, right. Right? Not live. That's the, yeah, that's so, the, yeah, there's so much here. Uh, I've got one more question about the Oscars, JR. I'll let you address it. But shouldn't these guys get an Oscar? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Well, JV and his fat uncle Bretonio, his fat Italian uncle Bretonio. I, I think uh, I, I'm having a I'm having a Scarface flashback with a guy on the right, and uh, and the guy in the, the guy in the left. You know, I don't know. It's, uh, he looks a little puffy too, frankly. He he he. He, he kind of reminds uh, he, he reminds me of uh, the alligator guy from yeah. Australia, Steve Irwin. Yeah. Uh, Steve Irwin, you got a yeah. Steve Irwin look going there. And Britt, you've got a little John Favreau thing going on there. <laughs> yeah. Who's John Favreau? John, you don't, you, don't, you don't know who John Favreau is? He's a he's a leb. He's a no, who's that? flaming lib. Yeah. Lefty. <laughs> Lefty director, actor, actor, yeah. Yeah. Um let's see, did I have any Oh, I have one more thing. So, Britt, you know, we talk about um we talk about words being your second language. You know, we, that's something that, that we've, we've had a lot of conversations about. I came across something over the weekend, uh, or actually the week of being oh, ill, where I, where I watched a lot of television that I think may help you. And I'll, I'll send you the link to this program. Um, but I think you'll find some interest in this. Mm. Mm. Oh, hi, viewer. Welcome back for... To, to check it out where what's this now there's too many dang letters on up here dang words where's the place where they keep all of the most words name of library come on along <laughs> so i don't know if anybody recognizes that but i stumbled have you anybody did anybody recognize that anybody know what that's from no all right, yeah, so, it's, that, it's, it's that show you told me to watch that was making you laugh, and I asked, what, "Is it the Meds?" And you said, "Could be." I'm thinking it's the Meds. No, no, no. This show, this is one of the funniest programs I've ever found, and obviously that's John C. Riley. But he does this program, and it's a spinoff from something uh, Tim and Eric's uh, something show that's an Adult Swim show, and this became an Adult Swim show spinoff, and it's called "Check It Out with Dr. Steve Brule." And it's it looks it's, it's produced to look like a local cable access program, and uh, that's the character Dr. Steve Brule, and it is, it is brilliantly hilarious. And I saw the one about words, and I thought, wow, this this might help Brit out a little bit. So I thought I'd share that with you. <laughs> yeah, so just shave off the letters. And then we got it. <laughs> words, not words anymore. It's words. <laughs> words. Oh, too many man. damn letters. To deal with yeah oh by the way i, I want to mention something about alopecia too i just i know a little bit about it because my daughter just got engaged congratulations alexandria and her uh, fiance has alopecia he has no hair none whatsoever he's got the same thing and he got, his entire body yeah and, and 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 it started for him um when he was That's like convenient. six or seven years old he lost all his hair and he's he's and he wears it proudly and i make jokes about him being bald all the damn time he's never tried to slug me so uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that won't always stay that way. Well, you know. But hold on. But but there's but there's one thing to be a woman without hair, and a man a no, man without true. hair can ride with it a little that's easier. True. No, it's true. It's true. Yep. Good point. All right. Anybody have anything else to add before we call it a night? No. 
Everybody's good. JR, thanks nope. for being here. Good to see you again, you two, Vince. Vince, I know Likewise. you're going to be coming back with us Wednesday night. Looking forward to that. In fact, you're going to be yes. up in Brit's window there, just so you know you can prepare. you got a couple days oh. to prepare. Right. Oh, good. So, yeah. And I know, JR, you've got a little uh, a guy's trip or something coming up. I won't, I won't let you betray anything yeah, yeah. here, but uh, enjoy it, whatever you've got happening. Uh, Britt, anything Already. else? No, I'm good. Oh, uh, smash like buttons, hit the hearts, uh, merchandise, t-shirts. As a matter of fact, I'm wearing a uh, drill, baby, drill. Just got that one. I also have the uh, buy guns, buy ammo one, which they, these are comfortable shirts. They're from Teespring. They came pretty quick, and it's actually uh, the I – mean, it's nice. I was – I'm – Pleasantly surprised. Anyway, merchandise. Uh, go to independencegang.com. Independencegang.com. In the bar to the right, it says merchandise. Go in there. You'll find our store. There's Defund Congress. There's uh, Drill Baby Drill. There's Buy Guns, Buy Ammo. There's coffee cups. There's T-shirts, ladies' T-shirts, crop tops for the ladies, hoodies, yada, yada, yada. So uh, do that. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's all I got. All right. Well, thanks to everybody for being here. Thank you for all the welcome back messages. I appreciate that as well. And we'll see you all next time. It's uh, the Independence Gang. Wrong button.